What's kicking, chickens? I figured I would go with like a funeral dirge entrance as opposed to our usual and peppy, what's kicking, chickens? Because that would set you up uh, for some real failure, given what we're about to talk about. Um, welcome yeah, we're back. Filling with peppy today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Peppy's probably not the best word for this episode. Necessary is one. Um, but then again, these episodes are our babies, and so we think all of them are beautiful and necessary, with the exception of a couple that Jen and I both know we pulled out of our asses. <laughs> so welcome back to Can We Fix It? Uh, I'm your host, Maura Walsh, joined as always by my lovely and talented co-host, Jennifer the Vulpinator Douglas. How are you, my love? I'm maintaining. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. It's been, you know, it's been a rough couple weeks, but things are on the upswing over here, so um, I can't really yeah. complain. Um, I mean, I, I could. We all know that I could complain endlessly for days uh, if given the exactly. opportunity. Um, but that's actually kind of, I, I don't want to spoil it all. I don't want to blow my load too early because that's kind of what our entire episode <laughs> about uh, is about, is uh, <laughs> complaining. Um no, we are going to we're going to talk about uh the really serious mental health crisis that pretty much our entire nation is facing right now, people in every single occupation, um from nurses to teachers to social workers to fast food workers to everybody in between. Um we've hit a wall in terms of um pandemic life. Um, and now we have the new Decepticon strain. I know that's not what it's called, but the first time I read it, I was like, wow, that sounds like a transformer. Um, and, and it's abundantly clear that like, A, we're obviously not handling the pandemic the way that we should be. Um, and that's a story for another day. Uh, but B, that this is becoming, you know, a really lengthy time in our lives. And, not all of us, <clears throat> any of us, are uh, coping that well. Um, and it's okay. Um, now, in the news recently, I think the article came out today, um, we found out that our friend from last week's episode, Timothy Desjardins, was also um, a member of the January 6th insurrection riots. Um, yes, and Timothy was the uh, when we played. How do you know somebody was white without saying that they're white? Yes, he was the he was the individual member involved in he a hostage situation who, on uh, or yes, a standoff or whatever on Atwell on Atwell's. Right, so he was at the uh, January sixth insurrection, um, and his face has just been ID'd by the FBI and all that fun stuff. Um, and as we mentioned in the previous episode, he was out on bail for another violent crime that he had committed, uh, earlier in the year. Um, and I mean, I think it's pretty abundantly clear that there are some mental health issues at play here. I don't always think that when a person, uh, is like a violent lunatic that there's mental health is issues. Sometimes they're just a fucking asshole. Um, but this guy seems to be having like, you know, increasing severity and decreasing distance in between episodes. And it's abundantly clear that he, uh, he needs more help than he is getting. Um, which right. brings me to a side tangent about the idea that he owns weapons. 
uh, legally. Yeah. Um, and seems to just keep getting his hands on him over and over and over again, despite being out on bail and, you know, repeatedly assaulting people with weapons. And I will say, I was never as pro-gun control as after I bought my first handgun. Um, at the time, I was in a relationship with a police officer. He had weapons in the house. He he had a rule that if there were going to be weapons in the house, then I had to know how to use and care for them because that is what responsible gun owners do. Um, yeah, valid. And um, I ended up buying my own Smith and Wesson. Um, and when I went to take the written exam, which by the way, that's all there is, is a written exam. Just, just a written mm -hmm. exam. Uh, it's multiple choice and it has questions like, um, when should you point your gun at a friend? Uh, a never, uh, B only when you know it's not loaded. Um, See only when the safety's on. So when I'm oh, saying yikes. like multiple choice, I mean like a drunk monkey could pass this fucking test. And once they sold me my weapon and I was like, I don't know how to uh, take this apart or clean it. I have not had to prove to you that I know how to load or aim it or use it. Like, I just had to, on paper, theoretically know what to do with a gun, and you just let me go home with a fucking gun? That's insane! That's insane! Nobody was even like, hey, are you sad? You good? Like, nobody really did, it, like, a mood check. Like, hey, there's, there's not, like, a place you're gonna be going, like, immediately after this, right? Like, no! Just, it was and that was the point at which I was like, oh, God, we need gun control. Like, I didn't give a fuck up until that point. Um, I was, you know, 19 or 20 years old. I was like, guns are cool. Exhibit A. It's America. Um, actually, no. You know what? I, uh, responsible fucking gun owner here, okay, sold my gun when my son learned to walk. Yep. Once my son started pulling himself up on furniture, I was like, no, thank you. I've seen this SVU episode where the kid shoots me dead. Hard pass. Hard pass. Because that's how it happens nine times out of ten, is the toddler shoots somebody else dead. Exactly. You didn't need that to be the beginning of your forensic files. <laughs> I mean, it was, you're all set. And also the beginning of my son's origin story. If that's not a fucking James Bond villain in the making, I don't know what it is. You're all set. You're good. Um, but back to the main topic of mental health, I'm a fairly sane person. I didn't say sane. Don't right. fucking, don't correct me on it. I know I'm bad shit. We got it. Um, what am I going to go out and shoot people just to shoot people. You're not going to have a road rage incident, take it out on someone in a Walgreens parking lot. You're not going to take people hostage on at a We the People barbershop. Pull yeah. up in the We the People barbershop. And, Maybe know, he thought it was another Q clue. You know, another like Q that. clue that like JFK Jr. was going to come back to life in the We the People barbershop. Um, exactly. But, I mean, this is an example of one way that people are handling the pandemic. Bat shittery. Um, but... As we, as we said earlier, people in every single profession are fucking burning out. Um, hard. Hard. And 
I mean, I personally think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, the the waspy base of this nation uh, where you just stuff it on down and you never talk about it. Um, <clears throat> but I also think it has to do with a level of empathy on an individual level, right? So because I have not caught COVID, because I have not lost someone to COVID, I feel like I can't complain. Um, it, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't, you know, I don't have a right to complain about how hard these last two years have been because I have not lost what other people have lost. Um, but when everybody is doing that, we're all slowly and silently giving ourselves stomach ulcers. Um, exactly. You're all losing something. You know, I talked to... When I was talking to Cynthia Mendes about this, she had a really good perspective on it. And one thing she said that really resonated with me is that you can't, and this is something everybody needs to really take to heart. And I think it's the best way to let yourself feel your feelings and, you know, not stuff it all down. And and that is that you, you can't rank pain. You know, it's just one of those things. You feel what you feel and and all suffering is valid suffering. And no matter what happens, you just, you can't rank your pain. That lady is the Yoda of our friend group because she gave me an amazing one the other day that was to love you is a privilege and everyone should make you feel that way. And I cried for like an hour and a half. Like that girl just has them in her pocket for like whenever yeah. you need it <laughs> your next time. lieutenant governor me every time oh she's good yeah it, it's really true we were talking about this before any of us had even it, this was in the this was like in the beginning of covid it, before any of us had lost anyone before you know but we were just it was back in the the early days when we were just kind of wondering where all of it would go and we were nervous and worried and you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I don't know, it, she just came out with that one. And it stuck with me ever since. And it was just, you know, you can't, you can't rank your pain. Everyone's going to have some. And I in, appreciate in degrees. Right. And I appreciate that it comes from a place of love, right? We're like, we don't know what's happening in other people's lives. And we don't want to be mm-hmm. the emotional burden. Um, I have a friend who does this amazing thing where before she vents to me, she says, do you have the emotional energy for me to like complain about something really quick? Um, yep. And she always checks. And it's it's something that I'm trying to do now more in my life um, as well. But it's just, it's such a thoughtful and empathetic way to go about life is just like, listen, these are not your problems. And I get that you're my friend and that obviously you want to help me if you can, but like, I'm not trying to unload my shit on you at the expense of your mental health. So like, if you have the capacity to listen to this, please help me out here. Um, I've noticed that all of us do that now to each other. <laughs> like whenever all of us have something, cause you do it to me. I know I do it to you and all of my girlfriends did that. All of us are doing that now. We'll all be like, and we always say yes. Yes. Like, we're always there for each other, but we always ask first, like, do you have a minute for me to like just unload for a second? And we always do, 
but we always ask first. But I also like appreciate that. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of times that's why I say yes. It's like sometimes when your friend is unloading on you and you're like, yo, I've had a fucking rough ass day. Like I don't have, but Mm -hmm. the fact that you start it with like, Hey, do you have like, of course I I always have time for you. I love you. It like also like preps you to be warmer to the reception of, of things like that. Um, yeah. But again, I think a lot of people, myself included, have just been like suffering in silence. Well, I mean, I don't ever suffer in silence. I have a weekly podcast where I complain about shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least we have an outlet. But, <gasps> but I mean, in I terms of like strictly pandemic, pandemic life and, and wearing a mask and constantly being worried that my son is going to catch COVID and give it to my mother and kill my parents before their time and you know the constant nagging voice in the back of my head that's like your mask slipped down your mask slipped down your mask slipped down because i can't get one to cover my giant schnoz um but (laughs) (laughs) um but it's just like you know all the varying little grading things about pandemic life um on top of how isolating it is how lonely it has been for long stretches and periods of it um for people who don't have a significant other like good luck dating in the fucking covid times that sounds like a nightmare like as if stds weren't scary enough like can you wrap your dick and your face please thank you appreciate you i know like we're single this is not an easy time for us i know i know just like oh, you poor poor babies, poor babies in the dating scene. It's not it's not it's yeah, not good for nobody. Not a good not a good thing for any of us. It's not easy. And at so all. you know we're reaching this fever pitch, right? Like everybody talks about <clears throat> the labor shortage in terms of like oh my god, these jobs are going unfilled. Um, but for a minute, think about the human perspective. Like what are these people doing? What has happened to everybody that everybody has just been broken by this objectively terrible system that sucks um, Mm -hmm. is like can no longer motivate themselves to go and work for barely enough money to pay their bills, let alone pay their bills and buy their kids Christmas gifts. Like there, you know, people have hit an emotional wall in terms of how much crap we have just taken and taken and taken and taken. And I'm watching some of the strongest people that I've ever met in my life, you know, finally snap and take sabbaticals from work and um, quit jobs that they have loved for a very long time because they just could not take the pandemic aspect of it anymore. Um, The isolation, the loneliness, the distance. Um, Yeah, it really sucks. Even working in the medical field and, you know, CNAs, medical assistants, we don't make much money at all. And then to work in the same town that you live in and being on like your local town pages and you see people that are patients in your practice and they're like, fuck you, I don't wear a mask, it's a scandemic and this is all fake and... I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm not wearing a mask around my family. And you know, these people are coming into your office and they don't respect you. They don't respect the fact that you don't want to get sick. You know, I've, I've, I've had people who I'm friends with who work in the field and, and they've 
they're so burnt out. They're so burnt out and so sick of caring for people who don't give a shit about anyone else but themselves. And they're just so tired of taking care of people who don't give a fuck. And, and it's they're, also they're keep doing it because, so much like, more exhausting. We do. Right. But it's exhausting. It is. It's and so had, much more exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. And I've had people say, like, they wish they could just, like, get into a car accident on the way to work just to get a break and be, like, just so they don't have to go to work anymore for a while because Ooh. that's how burnt out and exhausted they are. It's it, it's unsustainable. If this is so unsustainable, the one that gets me, horrible. the one that gets me are restaurant workers, right? Because you fucking assholes, and I say you because when the pandemic happened, I was so happy for every single waitress in my life that they, for the first time in many of their careers, were going to be making minimum fucking wage because they were going to be getting yeah. unemployment. And they were all going to be fucking eligible for minimum wage. Again, many of them for the first time in their fucking like, entire waitressing careers. <clears throat> and the public, oh my God, and we miss restaurants and we miss them so much. And we'll do anything to be able to eat out again. We'll do anything. Please, please just let us have restaurants again. And these fucking people, these waiters and waitresses, these cooks and line cooks and busboys and, and, and dishwashers and prep people and like shout out to all the fucking homies who like keep the kitchens around the world running. They did everything that they could, right? They installed new safety protocols. They added more disinfecting. They, you know, staged the seating, which like when you make your money off of tips and you cut your tables in fucking half, guess what you're cutting in half? You're making less. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these people were going out of their way to come back and open up these establishments because the fucking public begged them, begged them for some semblance of normalcy. <clears throat> and then the minute restaurants were open again, everybody was like, 10 extra cents on my french fries like yeah well now the fucking waitresses have to wear gloves in addition to the cooks sorry like we ha we had to buy new supplies and they started just continuing to treat wait staff like absolute shit and that was the yep. point at which uh, career like and people they start giving shit reviews on yelp because they didn't have all of their old favorites like they used to go and eat because of supply chain issues that wait that that restaurants have zero control over like i'm really sorry you couldn't get your favorite meal but guess what they couldn't order what they usually ordered from their usual suppliers and they didn't want to give you a subpar meal so you couldn't get what you usually get deal with it right well but that was the point at which a lot of waitresses that waitresses that i know um quit a job that they had done yeah. for their entire lives and that they had been planning on doing for the remainder of their lives and were just like, yeah. fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, you made this whole big thing about how you were begging us to come back and then we come back just so you could treat us like shit. Fuck you. And I will be honest, part of me fucking loves it. Here's why. Yeah. Before I was a rep, the very first time that I testified on behalf of raising the waitress wage... All these fucking conservative asshole senators were like, well, if if it pays so little, why don't you just get a job somewhere else? And I remember saying during testimony, I went, you know, I hear that a lot. 
And someday, all of us waitresses are going to take you up on that. All of us are going to decide that you're right. It's not worth it to do it for the $2.89 an hour that we do it. And on the day that we all decide that, you all will never go out to eat again. If your solution is that I need to get a better job, that solution has to apply to everyone. So if your solution to fucking waitresses not being able to feed their fucking children is that you think we should all get new jobs, all right, maybe we'll all get new fucking jobs then. And I love Mm -hmm. that I live to see the fucking day where all of my brothers and sisters in the fucking service industry are like, fuck you, it's not worth it. I would rather bag groceries at fucking Stop and Shop than deal with you colossal assholes ever again. And the only thing that sucks about it is that the people whose fault it is, the garbage, shitty, entitled, handsy, sexually harassing uh, customers that we had day in and day out will 100% be like, these fucking lazy brats, nobody wants to work anymore. Not recognizing that like, no, we all want to work, just not for you, motherfucker. I am yeah, tired of having work my paycheck be deducted because you have a tiny dick and a bad attitude. That has nothing to do with me. Stay home, sir. Chili's is not the reason your wife left you, Greg. Oh, no, I used our producer's name. Greg is fine. Not Greg. Gary. Gary, that's better. I was... Oh, fuck me. Yeah, let's not use our producer's name. Fuck. I was literally just trying to come up with a generic white guy name that I was... Oh, no. Oh, he's going to edit so many fart noises into this episode. That was such a fucking bad rookie mistake. Oh, God, Greg. I'm so sorry. I was only thinking your name because you do such an impeccable job editing and producing this show that I just, I'm always thinking about you when we record. Do you think that was a good enough save? Or do you think he's going to just like draw mustaches on every photo of me on the internet from here on out? Love you. Um, So one of the other, you know, big issues with the pandemic that I have definitely personally experienced is a lot of us are losing our health insurance, um, which is why yeah, that's a great side effect of this whole pandemic. Super dumb. Lose your insurance. Super dumb to tie your health insurance to your job, but that's how we do it in this dumbass country. Um, and um, so I had uh, an experience a few months ago when I first lost my insurance and I had not gotten on uh, another plan yet where I had a, uh, an appointment booked with the doctor. And um, when you don't have insurance, you have to pay up front for your appointment. Um, and obviously it's significantly more expensive than a copay. So I had to have, you know, a couple hundred set aside for this doctor's appointment that normally would be like 30 bucks. And Yikes. um a few days before the appointment, I had a bit of a financial hiccup wherein um, I had less than $100 left in my bank account and there was no world in which I was going to be able to cover um, a, a out-of-pocket appointment. So I you know, emailed them and let them know to cancel. And I got just like this super sad and understanding and empathetic email back from um, I'm guessing like their office manager or, you know, whoever it is that does their scheduling that was just like, um, you know, I'm so sorry to hear this. This is obviously something that's happening a lot. Um, 
you know, due to the, the, the pandemic times that we're in. Um, and it breaks my heart because I know that you need this appointment. You wouldn't have scheduled it if you didn't need it. Um, and that we can't give it to you is, you know, really upsetting. And I, I hope you're able to reschedule soon or something along those lines. And, you know, it was like both just like letting me know that like, hey, this is not just a you problem. Like this is happening for a lot of people who are now out insurance and can't afford, you know, $150 to go see a fucking doctor. Um, but like, I'm so sorry that this is happening. And I really hope that, you know, you get to reschedule it soon. And from my end, like, yeah, it sucked not having health insurance during a fucking global pandemic. Like, zero out of ten stars would not recommend. Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, I was making too much money to qualify for free health insurance and not enough money to be able to buy health insurance and was stuck in this terrible limbo that, you know, is not a unique story by any stretch, um, but is, you know, just another one of the hits from this never-ending nightmare uh, that is coronavirus. Um, and Jen, you were saying when we were planning the episode earlier that it also sucks from the provider's perspective. It sucks really hard from our provider's perspective, too, because we're looking at I work in a lot of us now in primary care in Rhode Island. Um, we've been working in these programs for years as something that's called a patient-centered medical home, where we follow our really vulnerable patients very closely. And those are patients that have heart disease, depression, diabetes. And what we do is we really, we make sure that they're they're monitoring and managing their their diseases very, very carefully. We make sure they're getting their blood work done. They're following up with their specialists. We make sure that they're getting the medications they need and the support they need and seeing dietitians and psychiatrists. And we've made a lot of gains in helping people stay out of the emergency rooms, stay out of the hospital. And we've been saving a lot of money that way. We've been saving a lot of healthcare dollars that way. And I really think the pandemic has erased a lot of the games that we've made because people have lost their insurance. People aren't going to the doctor anymore. We've lost a lot of our patients to the inability to follow up with their doctors, the inability to get their blood work done, the inability to afford their medications, the inability to follow up with specialists, the inability to follow up in the office. They're winding up in the ER now, you know, because they are not able to take their insulin. They're not able to pay for their heart medications. They're not, it, it's just the, the extent of what we're seeing is going to go on for years. It's going to affect our healthcare systems. It's going to affect our healthcare dollars. And, and we're not even seeing the tip of it right now. It, it's going to affect us for years and years to come, healthcare-wise, money-wise. It, it, it's a nightmare. It's and also I, I don't really... Think anybody understands the extent of what we're looking at years down the line. And it's really, really sad. And we would see these people for free if we could, but we can't because we have to make money too to keep the system afloat. And we're stuck in this shitty catch-22 where we want to get these people back on track 
and we can't afford to because we need to maintain some semblance of a healthcare system that sucks to begin with because we're floating in a shitty system where, you know, it's tied to our employment and people aren't employed anymore and we don't have a healthcare system anymore. And that's, I mean, this is one of the things that really upset me a lot of the times about the state house is that everybody's a fucking fiscal conservative when it comes to budget time. Everybody talks a big game year round. And then when the budget comes around, they're like, we can't spend that money because then we won't have that money. It's like, that's not the, the government is not a fucking for profit industry. Like you're not supposed to just sit on millions of dollars every year. Just like, just in case, just in case what we're in the middle of a goddamn global pandemic. Like what's your version of an emergency asshole? Um, right. But one of the things that used to piss me off the most was when we would very clearly articulate that spending a dollar now was going to save us 20 in the future. And all of these people who preached fiscal conservatism, you know, like regularly would be like, oh, but I don't want to spend the dollar. Like we, there was a pilot program that was, I want to say like $500,000, which is a fucking drop in the Rhode Island state budget. Um, That's nothing. That was going to go to direct support for the, I want to say it was like 300 at the time, chronically homeless individuals in the state. Now these 300 or so chronically homeless individuals incur hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of care throughout their year on the streets. People call the police on them for sleeping outside, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Ambulances are their primary form of medical care, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Incarceration, which is what happens to a lot of chronically homeless people, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we were trying to explain very simply that if we just spent that 500000 up front, we would be saving millions of dollars in services over the course of the coming years, which is nothing to say of the fact that we would be lifting people out of homelessness, which you wouldn't think that you would have to explain why it's more what's more impactful oh i don't know i don't want to just lift people out of homelessness unless there's a fucking financial benefit for me i know that's all you people ever fucking care about but it's still tanked it still didn't pass because these dumbasses have no concept of how to actually spend money um and that's the same thing with healthcare is that like if you looked at these people and broke down to them dollar for dollar how much money we would be saving if we had a sustainable reliable healthcare system that did not require people to go on GoFundMe and beg for fucking kidneys that it would save us millions of dollars in the long term that we could then use for things that we actually want and need as opposed to like things that are barely keeping us alive they just they have they don't have a concept of the long term. Nobody wants to be the guy who spends, you know, five hundred thousand dollars on homeless people. What will the fucking Republicans think? I can't believe you just handed the money. Obviously, we didn't just hand three hundred homeless people five hundred thousand dollars. You dumb assholes. Like exactly. But we're setting up systems 
that will help. Or hooking them up with existing systems. And honestly, if we had done the fucking work four or five years ago of helping with the chronically homeless, that situation would not have exploded to the point of near doubling today. Yep. Which is going to cost us what? More fucking money. I know that Nick Narducci is so proud of himself for kicking all those homeless people out of their fucking underpass where they slept because they just had it too good over there. But you know he still had to pay people from the, uh, I'm thinking it was DPW, actually, that were the ones that came out. But they had to pay city workers to come out and throw away every single possession that those people had. That wasn't a free operation. He had to pay money. We had to pay money to say fuck you to homeless people for a day. Like, people will spend money on that. You know, nobody blinks an eye. If we said that we were going to have Boston Dynamics robot dogs patrol the streets to make sure that no homeless people slept on curbs, we would find the fucking budget for that. But we oh, can't yeah. take them we off the, the curb. For, fucking ho- for robot dogs, but we don't have the budget to house actual people. So, and, and again, this is, this is coming from all sides, right? Because we've also, um, even if everybody had healthcare, even if everybody had access to a doctor, the backlog right now is so insane. Like, good luck getting an appointment. Um, exactly. Because we lost a lot of healthcare workers during this pandemic because we did not take care of them. We did not protect them. We did not provide them with the the safety equipment that they needed. And as a result, we treated a lot of doctors and nurses and hospital staff as expendable um, over the last couple of years and have lost a lot of people to COVID in the medical fields. And our mental health staff, all of our mental health providers do not get reimbursed at the rates that they should get reimbursed at. They do not Get, they do not get paid what they deserve, and that is on us also. And that is one of the things that we, you know, the chickens have come home to roost when it comes to that too. Um, we have to talk about reimbursement rates. We have to talk about the fact that people that get into that field, you know, they're they're good, wonderful people that are doing it because they have a calling, but they also shouldn't be doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. They do deserve to make a living wage. They do deserve to make a very good living at it because they are legitimately keeping people alive. They are providing a service to our children. They are providing a service to adults. And they should be very well compensated for that service. And right now they are not, which is why we do not have enough mental health providers in this state and not nearly enough people in that field right now and why we are losing people in that field right now. And also, it is a garbage job. Yeah. It's a garbage job right now. Not just mental health, but just like healthcare in general. Like, healthcare it sucks enough yep. being a doctor and watching people get sick and die of preventable diseases. But to be a doctor and watch people get sick and die of preventable diseases while receiving death threats and being called an asshole every day is an entirely heavier lift. Like, yep. sucks. One of the things that pisses me off the most um is so first of all let's start with the medical skepticism shit um 
we talked about this early on in the pandemic when vaccines first came out about like if you do not know where the ingredients in your cereal come from please do not fucking talk to me about how like your body is a temple and you're not going to get the vaccine like all the people that are coming to me just like i don't know man i don't know what's in it and i'm like really i've watched you eat little caesar's pizza and we have no idea what's in that so please do not pretend like you give a flying fuck about your body um or for all my stoner friends i would be like unless every freaking gram you bought was from a dispensary i don't want to hear jack shit about you being scared of the vaccine yeah, there's a lot of shit in your weed like, i don't want to hear i'm that. a cigarette smoker so i like willingly put rat poison into my body so i have zero fucking leg to stand on if a doctor tells me it's safe i'm not gonna be like well i don't know like fuck out of here um all of you supplement users you people who buy your shit at gnc think you're healthy you're not you're, you're taking you're putting trash into your body well so the thing that makes me the craziest you. is the amount of people who like before i fucking got rid of my twitter which by the way chef's kiss best decision i've ever made i really thought i would miss it i fucking don't at all it is magical not hearing you assholes complain 24 7 um and i'm not missing out i'm not missing out on anything uh and don't tell me that i am because i won't believe you um but before I got rid of my Twitter, um, I was mentioning that my kid was vaxxed and masked and all that fun shit. Um, and as of tomorrow, he's fully vaxxed and in two weeks will we'll be immune to a single strain of COVID. Go team! Um, I don't think he'll be immune to Decepticon, but he'll be immune to, to the, the OG, OG COVID. Um, and basically, some woman was like, you need to do more research. Um, to which I said, "The f- no, I fuck no, I fucking don't. Like, no, I d- I'm I'm an admin at a school. Why would I do doctor research? Like, I don't I don't plan my own flight path when I'm on an airplane. I don't bring my own fucking engine when I buy a car. Like, that doesn't make sense in any any context." Like, why would I do a job that somebody else gets paid? That's not my job. I, no, I'm not doing a peer-reviewed study on on the vaccine. Somebody else does that. I, I do this job. And I just, I do not understand the sheer volume of people who over the course of the last four years have decided that they're smarter than people whose job it is to do this. That's right. so dumb. I would never, like, go to the dentist and be like, amateur. Not how I would do it. Yeah, because you're not a fucking dentist, Mora. Like, I just, I do not get this new crop of people who are like, I don't, I don't trust medical. Can you imagine, insert any other profession there, like, who, me? No, I don't trust mechanics. I do my own research. What? I don't know how to, I don't know how to do the brakes on my car. I don't know how to do my own electrical work. I don't know how to do my own plumbing. Well, but here's the thing, Jen, is is they're not doing their own. They're just not doing anything. They're like, yeah, I don't trust doctors, so I just don't get vaccinated. Like, what? What? Wait, what? At least those weird goop people are like, I don't do vaccines. I have a jade egg in my hoo-ha and a crystal in my pocket. Like, I'm safe. You know what I mean? At least they think that they're doing something. But the people who, like, do more research, I'm like, okay, well, what's your game plan? Just, like, catch COVID repeatedly until you fucking die of it? 
or like kill your parents or kill your grandparents? Like what is, all right, if I'm not supposed to take the vaccine, what's your plan? What's your plan? Hit me with your plan, yeah. doctor lady on Twitter. Ugh. They don't have one. Like, and they truly just think it's, it's like a cold. And as long as you're a healthy weight and take your vitamins, you'll be fine. Vitamin D, vitamin C, you'll be okay. There's no reason to panic until there is. I mean, they don't get it. Yeah, they really don't. And I think that trying to make them is proving to be a futile effort. Um, trying to make yeah, people... I won't argue with them. It's no, I don't anymore. It. I don't we've anymore. gotten to a point now where we are so far into this. If they don't get it at this point, they never will. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, it's one thing when it's adults, you know what I mean? But it's a whole other thing when these people are implementing these things on on their kids. On kids. Like, I that's that's the one that fucks me up. It's just like, okay, you're dumb, but, like, why does your child have to suffer? That doesn't seem fair. That, like, your child should have to suffer just because, like, you don't understand how things work. And I know it's really, really sad. And I keep telling Jack keeps coming home from school and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, my he has a lot of friends whose parents don't believe in the vaccine. And I keep reminding him and and he has a lot of friends who do want to get vaccinated. So I have to keep reminding him that in Rhode Island, we do have the mature minor law where if you are 16 years old and you want to get vaccinated, you can, and you don't need your parents' permission. So, you know, if you know, if you know a 16-year-old who would like to get vaccinated, you can relay that information to them, everyone, and let them know that they are allowed to go see their doctor or any healthcare provider, and they can make their own vaccine appointment to get themselves vaccinated without their parents' permission. So just throwing it out there for anybody who would like to know that. Even long before COVID, I remember sitting through uh, a vaccine bill at um, at the state house. I want to say it was health education and welfare. And one of the things that I did note was that like the doctors were not helping their own cause. Uh, but now like after after these two years of COVID and the vaccine skepticism and the insanity, like I fully understand and appreciate why they were just like, no, fuck you. Absolutely not. Um, so there was like an informed consent bill going around where like the the sponsors wanted doctors to basically like you get an info pamphlet anytime that your kid gets vaccinated on possible side effects right. and things like that. Yeah. But what the informed consent thing was is they wanted the doctors to actually physically like re essentially read this pamphlet to each set of parents. Oh no, those things are so fucking long. No. Right. Before administering the vaccines. And the doctors were like and to be clear, like all male, all um, middle-aged to, like, on the younger side, but, like, super dismissive, right? So, like, uh, so, well, would you, would you be willing to, like, inform all of these people if they're, and the doctor's like, no, absolutely not, I'm not doing that. And one of the, one of the reps is like, well, why, you know, why do you say that so quickly? And the doctor was like, that each appointment would take, like, 45 minutes, like, I'm not, that's insane, I'm not doing that. Um, 
And I remember thinking like, bro, I'm on your team, but like, help me help you. You know what I mean? Like, just pretend to give a shit. Be like, listen, I understand that people have their concerns, but, you know, time constraints are such that we literally, there are not enough hours in the day to be able to do that for every patient. Yeah, no, sorry. I have the same knee-jerk reaction, though. Sometimes you give an infant, like, seven shots at one appointment. You would be spending an hour and 40 minutes reading every VIS that you give to these people. No fucking right. And so, like, I fully understand. Not gonna do it. And I remember at the time being like, "Bro, like, could you be, could you be a little more delicate?" You know what I mean? And now, after this, after like my kid's dad being like, "I, I don't want Malcolm vaccinated. I don't believe in the vaccine." And I'm like, "I don't fucking believe in you. I don't see what that has to do with anything, bitch." Like, I get how you get to that point. You know what I mean? And and it. I have a new appreciation for that doctor that just like looked looked the person dead in the face and was like, no, I'm not doing that. Because like, yeah, I, get, no, I totally get it. Right. At the time I was like, wow, this guy's being a real dick. And now I'm like, no, you know what? If you went to med school for eight years and had $200,000 in debt and had to administer 500 shots to crying babies for 18 hours a day, I would also want to be like, go fuck yourself. Add another task yeah. to my list. I dare you. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Unless you have held down, physically held down a screaming three-year-old who has the power of fucking Thor, by the way. <laughs> These kids are fucking strong. It, it is not fun. And you have sunk one, two, three, four, sometimes five needles into their fat little arms and legs. And then had to sit down and read a novella to their parents about what you gave them? No fucking way. It's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> not oh doing my it. God. Yeah, no. And for I real. can tell you right now, the only reason why anybody was asking that was because of the HPV injection. That was the only reason. They wanted to be harder for people to give their precious kids the HPV injection. Why do these people want their kids' sex. dicks to rot off so that. bad? You know? Like, I just don't get why they are so hellbent on all their daughters dying of cervical cancer. It's like, relax. They'll yeah. die at some point. You don't have to hasten it. Jesus. Exactly. Not happening. Maybe, maybe that's the long game. You know what I mean? Maybe they thought they wanted kids. And now they realize they don't, and they're just hoping like one quick mumps or rubella is gonna fucking take them off the take them off the docket, and they can use their money on what they wanted to—a cruise. Yes, there you go, something fun for themselves. That, that must be what it is—the long con. That second home in Florida. <laughs> I honestly so am just—I'm banking on the fact that if I am very, very good to my boy. He will take care of me in my old age. I had him when I was 23, so he will be, like, grown by the time I need, you know, my diapers changed. Um, So I'm just banking on the fact that, like, all these birthdays and Christmases where mom is, like, picking up second jobs and hustling hard, like, these are going to pay off, baby. These are all going to pay off. Welcome. If If you're listening to this someday, do not change your mother's diapers. First of all, if my son is listening to this someday, really sad, really sad. Hire someone. 
Oh, that is what I meant for sure. That is what I meant for sure. That I don't want him doing it. Ew, get out of here. No, I meant that he's gonna have to like pay to have somebody watch me and when I'm old and infirm. Um right, put me yeah. in one of the nice nursing homes where they give you jello occasionally. Um don't put me in the happy Gilmore nursing home, please. Um I'm terrible at quilting. Um we have utilized all of our time. We have we 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 did it again, folks. A quality, depressing as hell episode. What I has a quick plug for that goes along with our homelessness um, discussion from earlier. As of right now, our girl Cynthia Mendes and Matt Brown are sleeping at the state house to um, encourage our governor and our elected officials to use some of our ARPA money to help end homelessness and houselessness here in Rhode Island. And every day from four to seven, there's going to be some time where we're encouraging other Rhode Islanders to come out and join us to have a little bit of quality Rhode Island time, spend some time together. There's going to be poetry slams and interesting discussions and just some hangout time to keep them company. And she's going to be out there as long as it takes to get Governor McKee to act to get our houseless Rhode Islanders a place to stay for the cold weather. Jesus Christ. Cynthia is such a badass. I would never do that. Just so we're clear, like, I loved being a rep. I would fucking never absolutely not like i will i will advocate for homelessness all day i do not like hard ground i have a bad back i no nope no she's a better person than i am sleeping on marble marble no no i have a pillow top topper on my pillow top mattress homie don't play that um i will definitely be making my way down there to bring them both hot chocolate um yep I'm going to bring a thermos of hot stuff, and uh, I'll be hanging out with her a few times this week, but um, I don't know if I I will. If it goes into next week, I will definitely do an overnight with them because out of solidarity, but uh, God bless them for doing it every night. I no, I'll never. bring them warm things. I'm not. No, I'm not. My brother, and my brother. Uh, they do have a lot of allies in the, in the houseless community that's going to be doing the campouts with them. And they're doing it because Governor McKee apparently had promised them that he would get a working group together and had promised a bit of land for a houseless encampment. um, And he had promised it to be done by today. And I guess he reneged on everything. And they're out there now to get him to follow through on his promises well i guess we're gonna have to go down there and interview uh our houseless neighbors who uh who received that promise because that sounds like some that sounds like my favorite thing is rubbing damage yeah. nose in it i love that i think maybe we totally should, love we that maybe do do an episode out there next week maybe and see all right friends um stay all safe right. get boosted and go be a good neighbor <laughs>